0: Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Hear now the word of the Lord. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. And when it says he ascended, What does it mean but that he also descended into the lowest parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming, but, speaking the truth in love, we must grow up. In every way, into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, Thanks be to God. Friends, I've got to give a little disclaimer. I'm going to be a bit abrasive today. And it's one of those uh, things that I, I like, it personally makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I'm not very much a uh, fire and brimstone kind of preacher, as you've probably experienced. And this isn't some kind of uh, experiment either where I'm trying to see if I could be. <laughs> because personally, I don't want to be. But I, I am going to be a little bit abrasive today. But I do promise that it's not because of you. It's not because of anything that anybody has done or anything like that, and nobody's in trouble here. It is simply because I want us, all of us, to understand the gravity of what we have, are talking about in this sermon series, right? So the past couple of weeks, we've been going through this series called The Time Is Now. And, and, and I, I need us to understand what that means for us. You see, I am personally tired of of waiting to do powerful deeds in the name of Christ until some future time, when it is easier or more convenient for us, because oh, how we love to put things off until some better day. I'm also tired of us longing for days past, saying that back in this day and age, there things were so much better, and thinking that the, that the past is the only place where the church did good works. You see, we have this moment, right now. Yes, that's meant to be punny. We have this moment right now. And we have been prepared for such a time as this. And I need us to understand that now is the time that we, as a church, do something other than show up for worship. I'm going to be a bit abrasive today. And yes, this sermon series has been a cute little way uh, to accompany the launching of our three new ministry teams, the NOW teams, in Nurture, O, Outreach, W, Witness. But I need it to do something more than just introduce these teams. I need it to challenge us. I need it to move us. I need it to start a fire within us to take action, to get involved, to take this church out into the community for the glory of God. So I'm going to be a little bit abrasive today, but it's not because of you. And if you have any concerns or comments about it afterwards, I will happily receive them all. But it is because we, and when I say we, and when I'm talking about we throughout this entire sermon, I mean the universal church, we keep wasting our time on fruitless endeavors that lead to division And instead, we need to be recognizing that we are called to unity in ministry. We need to recognize that y'all are called to ministry. And what does y'all mean? Yeah, you all, all are called to ministry. And we need to understand that we have this very same mission, all of us, to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And we need to recognize that we are called to do so through a perspective of unified diversity you see we each have different gifts and different perspectives but that's not a call for division paul who wrote the letter that we have before us in our scripture lesson and who spoke very much on the beauty of diversity in god's creation acknowledges that each of us have been given different gifts That each of us are equipped differently, that each of us have different perspectives through those gifts as well, and that those gifts are calls to unity. Yet, still, for some reason, we love division. Like, we. I've almost become addicted to division. It's it's kind of absurd how much we emphasize the divisions that are present in our world and in our nation and in our community and in our very church far too often. For whatever reason, we have found some sense of control by splitting things between the left and the right, well, this side and that side. We have this profound arrogance that says that there is this us and there is this them, and that, well, of course, we are better than them, because how could we not be? Whether it's in politics, media, race, gender, nationality, various group affiliations, and yes, even the church, we keep putting divisions into place. Did you know that uh, the UMC, the United Methodist Church, is currently in a divisive conflict that's trying to completely split the United Methodist Church in half? Like, as we speak, it's been going on for more than a couple of years now. In fact, this whole grand split was supposed to happen last year. Praise God for COVID. That's the only time I'm ever (laughs) going to say that so it got delayed and they're still trying to work on it but yes right now the united methodist church is currently in a divisive conflict that's trying to split the church in half for for some reason or another we have been pouring countless resources like an absorbent amount of resources like we had a special called conference of the general conference of the united methodist church back in 2019 that cost millions of dollars and accomplished nothing (laughs) there was nothing that was decided there We pour countless resources into trying to decide if persons in the LGBTQIA community can be married or ordained in the United Methodist Church, instead of focusing our resources on unity and building up the body of Christ, as Paul has charged us with in our text today. We of course are not alone. Uh, The the Baptist Church is currently in their own little conflict. They're still trying to figure out if women can preach. Very grateful uh, that we have, and the United Methodist Church, have gone past that because my wife is a spectacular preacher, as you all have have, uh, witnessed if you were able to be here whenever she preached for us a couple of weeks ago, and a fantastic leader in the church. But the very question is threatening to split the Baptist church as well. We have this notion that because we may think differently from one another, then the obvious answer is we must be divided. How silly, but that's the way we think. We think that all of us who are one way and think one way and act one way need to be over here and everybody else who's different than us needs to go over here and we're gonna split it between the left and the right. I mean, take for example, our very Congress of the United States of America. Anytime we're talking about political conversations, they talk about conversations across the aisle. Yes, there is an aisle of division Oh, it's ridiculous. But I'll let you know, going back to, uh, to the United Methodist Church for a moment, this little secret. The United Methodist Church has a founding tenant known as the Via Media, which is the Latin expression that means the middle way. This is something that was was imbued in the United Methodist Church very early on. Uh, It actually extends before the United Methodist Church in the the Anglican Church is where it kind of came out of and uh, and was adopted into the United Methodist Church out of this understanding that there is a middle way. But here's the thing, the middle way is not necessarily a path of compromise, it's not like... People on one side sacrifice all of their values, and people on the other side sacrifice all their values so they can come and meet in the middle. It's not necessarily a path of compromise. Rather, it is a path where those who do walk on the left side and those who do walk on the right side are able to walk together, side by side, down the same path. It's a path wide enough for everybody. Okay, this is the Vea Media. This 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 path that that acknowledges that that Those who walk on the left and those who walk on the right are able to walk on the very same path beside each other, to learn from one another, and to even transform the world with one another, with one another, not against one another. And that is a very important distinction because you see, unity, as we are talking about today, as has been talked about for the past 2,000 years in the life of the church, unity is not the same as uniformity. That's going to be very important for us to understand as a church. Unity is not the same as uniformity. Things don't have to look exactly the same across the board. We are all created beautifully and uniquely in the image of God. And guess what? It's perfectly okay for us to have different thoughts and different opinions. It's not okay for those thoughts and opinions to divide us, but rather for us to learn from one another, grow together, and transform the world together. Unity as it is, is found in common goals, not common starting places. Namely, that goal we're going to be talking about today is the ministry and mission to which we have been called. So I'm going to take us back into our Ephesians passage. Uh, Ephesians, which is is just a fascinating book. I'm going to talk more about it in just a few moments, but I mean, you got to go and read the book of Ephesians. It's only six chapters. It's not very hard. It's not very long, but man, This is like an exquisite uh, literary work of art here. Looking at verses 12 and 13 here gives a kind of summary of the work of ministry to which we have been called. It says that we are called to the building up the body of Christ until all of us come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity to the measure of the full stature of christ and paul uses this word maturity i mean this is just like hilarious to me because later on in the passage he's talking about how it's time for us to stop acting like children he kind of calls out the church in ephesus saying y'all are being absolutely absolutely ridiculous right now like you're acting like like children and and Children, uh, it's you know of, of no uh, fault of their own accord. They don't have a fully developed prefrontal cortex, uh, and and other parts of the brain are still in full formation. Children, if you have spent any time around children, know, they have this egocentric nature, which simply means that they their entire worldview is based on them. Right? And that's like what they have. Uh, Paul understands something that it took psychologists uh, 1900 years to get to. Uh, this notion that 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 we can grow beyond just thinking about ourselves. That's pretty powerful. And so he uses that word maturity pretty directly there. But but I I want us to consider these points of of ministry to which Paul has has said we are called to here in, in Ephesians. Beginning with building up the body of Christ. This is an outreach project. Building up the body of Christ. It is reaching out into the world to say we've got you. We're here for you, to support you, to build you up, to be here for you. Building up the body of Christ is a project of outreach. So that, Paul carries on, all of us come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. This is a project of witnessing. So that all of us come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. This is what witnessing is all about getting out there, showing up for people and letting them know the gospel of Christ, bringing them into the understanding and into the unity. This is the witnessing project here. And he concludes, for the maturity and growing into the full stature of Christ, which is a project of nurturing, so that once those to whom we have reached out, and who have heard the gospel through our witnessing and decide to show up to the church are then able to be nurtured into maturity to grow into the full stature of Christ because that's what Paul is getting at in this letter is that the ultimate goal of uh, being a Christian is to take on the image of Christ, that our very thoughts, actions, and words might resemble that of Christ. And that happens as we as a church nurture one another. These are three distinct areas of ministry that empower individuals uh, with, a divide, with a diverse group of skills and a diverse group of perspectives. See, not everybody is gifted to be a nurturer. Not everybody is gifted to be a person who reaches out. Not everybody is gifted to be a person who witnesses. We all have different skills and different uh, strengths and different growing edges and all of these things. That is what's so beautiful about the body of Christ is that unity does not equal uniformity. There is diversity amongst the body of Christ. And so yet we, we need to understand that in this diversity that, that each of these three distinct areas which are diverse in themselves are vital to the next Even in their diversity, they need one another. And that is the very story of the church as well, that even in our diversity, we need one another. Perhaps you might recall uh, Paul speaking about the body of Christ, who says that, that the head cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. That we, each part of the body, is essential for serving some function in the world, in some capacity, for existing as the body of Christ each which has different skills and different, different uh, perspectives, are completely vital to the way that the church, the body of Christ, acts in the world. In fact, it has been God's plan from the beginning of creation that humanity be unified as one diverse people under God. Uh, Ephesians starts out with the first chapter, which is appropriate. That's how all of them start out. In the first chapter, starting with, chap- uh, starting with verse 8 says, with all wisdom and insight, God has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. It has been the plan of God from the outset to unify creation, to bring us into unity. Now, now. As we're taking this in mind, this notion that it has been our purpose to be unified from the very beginning, also know that the unification is not the end of it. You see, the power of God's presence in the world is made manifest by the the unity of the church's diversity. The power of God's presence in the world is made manifest by the unity of the church's diversity. When, when our diversity divides us, we negate the mission of God in the world. It just happens that way. Can, can anyone tell me, we've got a little bit of interaction here, a little bit of participation. Can anybody tell me who it was that said, a house divided against itself cannot stand? Yeah, I've got two answers. Both are right, by the way. Both are right. Uh, In in the history of the United States, we often attribute it to Abraham Lincoln as uh, saying, a house divided cannot uh, stand against itself. Uh, This came in his speech in in Chicago, Illinois, where he spoke out against slavery and the impending split between the North and the South. Uh, this was just before the Civil War whenever he said this, and, and sure enough, look at all the, the conflict that that caused. Uh, yeah, this was, this was in, his, in his speech that he used these words, but these are not original to him, as was said as well. These words were first spoken by Jesus. See Mark chapter 3 verse 25 and Matthew chapter 12 verse something. It's in chapter 12. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Jesus said these words first, uh, that, that a house divided against itself cannot stand. The same words should ring true for us today as the church. We are called to unity because there is power in unity. And God has chosen the church to be the means by which God shares love with the world. Yet, if there is only animosity and no Love in the church, then how can that mission gain any traction? A house divided against itself cannot stand. And here is going to be one of the most brutal things I have to say today. I'm not going to apologize for it. Maybe after I will. Division in the church is perpetuated by those who are unwilling to get involved. Division in the church is perpetuated by those who are unwilling to get involved. Just as rivalries between sports teams are amplified by the fans in the stands, so too is division amplified by those who only show up to occupy a pew. Have you noticed that? Sports teams, that the whole rivalry thing, it only shows up in full-fledged form whenever there are fans to perpetuate it. Fans that don't play the game, fans who think they know better than the coaches and the players, fans who just show up as taking this whole sport at, from a spectator perspective, they're the ones who end up perpetuating the rivalries. And it's all good fun and everything until, well, you know those rivalries get out of hand and somebody gets hurt. Uh, killed in these uh rivalry conflicts it's the fans that perpetuate that the very same way that division in the church is perpetuated by those who just show up to occupy a pew why because people who show up to occupy a pew have a lot of opinions about the way things should go but never any action to sustain those opinions because people who just show up to occupy a pew don't actually want to see the church go anywhere they just want to show up and let the world see that they're in the church. Like I said, most brutal thing I'm going to say today, but it needs to be heard because in Revelation chapter 3, who knew I'd be quoting Revelation today? Things are getting dark all of a sudden. Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16 say, we have these words from the Lamb of God to the people, to the church in Laodicea that says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either hot or cold because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I am about to spit you out of my mouth." Very intense words essentially say, I don't want anything to do with people who don't want anything to do with me. That's what it boils down to here. The church has far too many lukewarm people in it, and it's not helping. The church is in active decline everywhere. Not just this church, but all churches, not just in Mobile, not just in the U.S., but it, all over, the church is in decline because we have far too many lukewarm people. And when we need people who are on fire for Christ. See, the book of Ephesians is set up in this beautiful way. And this is what I mean by it being a, a masterpiece, a literary masterpiece here. Is that the first three chapters, check it out. The first three chapters describe the gospel message. It starts it up from the very beginning of creation. You heard it just a few moments ago, from the very beginning of creation. And this is what God has been doing this entire time, preparing us for this good news that comes with God incarnate in Jesus Christ who sacrificed himself for us, that we might have eternal life and eternal love and joy. And then he gets to chapter 4. And chapter 4, which is where we had today, begins, the translation that we have in our bulletins is kind of wrong. Uh, Our our translation says, I, therefore, uh, in the Greek, it's actually therefore I. I know, it's a minor grammatical issue, but it's important to understanding what Paul has set up here. Because whereas the first three chapters talk about the gospel message and preparing it, The second three chapters, uh, chapters 4 through 6, talk about what the gospel message should be doing to those who receive it. And so he gives the whole gospel message, and then Paul says, therefore, if you have heard this message, therefore, this is what it should be doing in your life. And what's the very first thing that he starts out by saying? Unity. Unity in ministry and he keeps going and it gets beautiful and we get to eventually to this point of the whole uh, Put on the whole armor of God and it's really cute and everything but we can't ignore this fact that we have been called to unity in ministry Therefore you have heard the gospel message therefore We're gonna put it into action the gospel of Christ should spur us to live as transformed people and Transformed people, as we have talked about in the past few weeks, do not stay on the sidelines. And so my challenge for us today is the exact same challenge I've been giving the past three weeks. Can anybody guess what it is? Get involved. It's my third time saying it in this series. Get Involved. Get involved in our witness team and help us speak the gospel throughout our community by showing up for our community. Get involved in our outreach team and help us care for the people who needs, need God's love the most through various mission projects. Get involved in our nurture team and help us teach and empower those who enter into this space so that they may in turn get involved as well. And so, do something that's, you know, once again, a little bit more interactive. I'm going to be passing something around here. This is a little notebook. It's got some pins in it and a little sign-up sheet. I'm not typically like an altar call kind of preacher, as you've experienced, and I'm not going to be doing an altar call here today. I'm going to be doing a Get Involved call. And many of you have already signed one of these sheets, and it's awesome. You know, it's great. I have your stuff recorded, documented, everything. Some of you have signed up online. And so I'm gonna let you know, I'm gonna be passing this around. But also, if you don't want to sign this for whatever reason, there, are, there is a sheet outside those doors right there. And there is a sheet outside this door right here where you can sign up as well if you don't wanna do it right here. Also, I'm gonna go ahead and encourage you. If you have a smartphone, go ahead and get it out. And go to S-H-A-U-M-C. Very simple, S-H-A-U-M-C And there is a tab on our website called Get Involved. And on there, there's a sign-up sheet. So you, know, you, can, you can sign up without anybody else seeing that your information or that you've signed up or anything like that. I'm just passing this around so that everybody has the opportunity to sign up right now. If you don't sign up, I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm just giving us the opportunity. So I'll start right here. Like I said, I know many of you have already signed up. And uh, I will be letting you know that, that this week, I'm going to be contacting each person who has signed up to get them some more information, let them know about how things are going to be in motion from here on. This is what it's all about, y'all. The gospel message is part one. Getting involved is part two. And we're there. We're at the getting involved part. God has huge, huge, huge plans for Spring Hill Avenue United Methodist Church. And I firmly believe that. I'm not just saying that as some kind of uh, delicate answer to throw out there because I'm the uh, pastor and I should be saying stuff like that. I firmly believe that God is going to be using Spring Hill Avenue United Methodist Church to transform the community of Mobile, Alabama. And I believe it's going to go even further than that. But here's the thing, people. I can't do it alone. I can't. I've tried doing projects like this alone. Uh, I I get burnout. That's what happens when one person tries to take on too much. And so I'm I'm, I'm actually stepping outside of my comfort zone here asking each of you to get involved because I can't do this alone. This is one of my uh, shortcomings. I can't do it. I need you all. And God has called on each and every one of us to be in ministry. Y'all are called to ministry, friends. The ministry to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And we are called to do it in unity. Unity through our diversity. And so my charge for us Today is to overcome our divisions and as a united family of God to get involved with the mission and ministry to which we have been called. Let us pray.